Matt decided he didn't want to talk about Stack Overflow TV, and we had nothing else to talk to him about, so we should go with special guest Matt Damon. Bump him like Matt Damon, that's what he said in chat. Uh, oh my god, Bump It Like Matt Damon is totally the <laughs> single off a hot summer album. Well, Bumped Like Matt Damon. No, it's got to be Bump It Like Matt Damon, you need active, it's got to be active. Bump It Like Matt Damon, because then there's a it dance. It does have kind of a ring to it, Bump It Like What am I bumping with Matt Damon when I envision ourselves dancing? This is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 61, recorded Tuesday, November 11th, 2014 at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York City, New York, where 8 million people enjoy the benefits of democracy and have free and unfettered access to Uber, Uber T, Uber X, Uber XL, Uber Black, Uber SUV, and Uber Cappuccino. Today's podcast is brought to you by Okra, considered a delicacy in the American Deep South, particularly when breaded with cornmeal and deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> On today's podcast, VP of Community, Jay Hanlon. And VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. We have not done a podcast since July 8th. Welcome back, you guys. It's been a long time. It's good to be here. Four months. To be fair, we tried to do a podcast and failed. We I did. Mean, we did one a couple of months ago. I blame it, producer Alex. And, yeah, and ghost producer Abby. I believe that's ex-producer Alex. <laughs> that's right. Ex-producer <laughs> Alex, who we had to untie and allow to come up and set things up since it went so badly without him last time. And well, what happened last time, really? It didn't work. Hardware failures. It did not. It did not work. See, this is the kind of lack of follow-up that results in us never getting any better. We should spend the whole podcast discussing what went wrong, how to make sure it never goes wrong again, how to monitor proactively. We'll come back we to that. We should do postmortems. We should ask you'll, the five You'll notice you're sitting here doing a podcast or, right now. instead of that, we could talk yeah. about new and exciting things. Okay. Get the first one. Second one. Second new exciting thing. What? <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got four months worth of stuff that we've done. Just go ahead and start with the second one there. Well, you told me what the first one was going to be, and it sounded boring to me, so I figured let's just go on to the second one. So the first one was about how, how to tie a square knot. Oh, sorry. So we're going to skip right past the how to tie a square knot and when a square knot is more appropriate. I really thought that was an interesting question. We're going to lose the entire Boy Scout demographic as a result Home of HomeAutomation.stackexchange.com. Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that, too. Can we, can we talk about mobile? Yes. We have an iPad app. What? Wait, so tell what? me about... Is, what's this iPad you speak of? Is this a... Uh, it's... Uh. Oh, um, it comes, it's like, it's that thing. It's slightly it's like smaller a than the iPhone Surface, 6 Plus. But that right? that's right. Yeah, we have an iPad app. So that came out now a couple weeks ago. This uh, is a big deal. It is a big deal. We've been working on it for a while. Do people still have iPads or did that just sort of... I just bought a new iPad. Did that whole... I have it. Yeah, I love my that iPad. Whole trend. They're replacing them with iPhone 6 Pluses, but the iPad app will yeah. work on the iPhone 6 Plus. Interesting. So. Really? Oh yeah, that's right. Because the 6 Plus has the extra large size layout well, option. it's all the same app. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, so the new app, it's mostly a conversion of the existing app. A couple new uh, interesting features that's got the feed is a little prettier and snazzier and shows you hot questions from all over the network. And the compose Ooh. view is pretty cool. It shows you, while you type, a live preview of your post. Right. Because we found, looked at the numbers and found out that, to our surprise, people were actually typing things on tiny devices with big thumbs. This is, it's inevitable. This is just everybody's going to switch to, to all tablets and phones. It's so weird that like... There's still a bunch of people running around with tablets that are connected to these keyboards and thinking that that's a natural way to do anything. Yeah, we were surprised. There was a lot more, at least I, I don't know, I, be I was surprised. I believe we've had 25,000 posts, not comments, not upvotes, but posts, real questions or answer posts made on the little teeny thumb app. So not the iPad app, the Android and the iPhone app. 
since launch. I'd say we've seen a little less, in my opinion, voting and commenting and little one-off stuff than I probably would have guessed, but way, 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 way more posting, which is really interesting. Yep. Not so surprising, but sort of intriguing. The average post length from the apps is almost exactly 50% the length of the standard web posted post. Wait, they're posting shorter text? Yes, which makes sense. And Why does it make sense? Because typing things on a phone is... on your little oh. thingy. It's well, good that's for Jay. probably good. I, I'm actually going to use that. To, I'm going to force Jay to write all of his blog posts right. oh, on his phone from me. now on because it'll force him to really be concise. Maybe we could like force him to speak using some kind of a text to speaking generator that he has to use That's his actually thumbs. a pretty interesting idea. David now replies to all of my long documents in tweets in the hope that I'll be forced to reply to him in 140 characters. Uh, that's right. So if you're interested in seeing that, just follow me on Twitter. I tweet about once a month. That's uh, really riveting. Okay, guys, can we talk about my dog? <laughs> so cute. Do you have a dog, Joel? It's hard for us to remember sometimes. What's if his you name? Have a dog. Fajita? No. Quesadilla? Tostada? It's Taco. And he oh. was the other day he was trending on Twitter. He became super popular on the Instagram. Got 21,000 likes. What? Yep. So Joel is literally now, he's become Can we put a that in the show notes, please? A link to Taco on Instagram. Dog? You're a joke about what is wrong with the internet. You just said, my dog is trending on Instagram. <laughs> it is, like, this is just a character. <laughs> Of how we have wasted this great gift Correction, that we have been he given was to share trending. I mean, that would be insane if he was still trending. Still trending? Yeah. 21,000 yeah. likes. Yeah. On what? I didn't even see this picture. I know. I'll, here, I'll put it in the show notes. How do I find it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to it's, it. It's on an Instagram uh, oh. account called The Doggist. The Doggist. Apparently someone, <laughs> someone commented on the Instagram, is that the Trello dog? Yes, it is in fact the same Trello dog. No, what we should say is that dog is a lame <laughs> knockoff of the Trello dog. That's... <laughs> cute i don't really understand the twenty-one thousand likes i gotta say he is uh all, all the dogs the on that feed get 21 000. well he's no alex from target is it a bunch of bots is that what's going on wait i'm sorry i'm interested in this why don't you like joel's dog talk, talk i love nice joel's i love joel's dog i'm just surprised that twenty-one thousand other people also like taco as much as i do I remember when taco was a little pop. anything else we have to talk about it's been four that's months that's pretty much it there must be there must be something we haven't Didn't said. Didn't you go to Kansas City or something? I did. Oh, is that on the list? The Kansas City? I have nothing to say about Kansas City. Does this fall under if you don't have anything nice to say? Is it yeah. what is that kind of thing? No, not really. Just that I was only there for like four hours. And the whole time, I didn't even know what state I was in. So I, I'm going to ask. I'm gonna, <laughs> at what point, on, no, I'm not driving sure. around and a sign know. said, welcome it's, to Missouri. And I was like, I could have sworn that I was just in Missouri and that now I'm in Kansas. Is Kansas City one of the ones that is in like a Missouri and in a Kansas? It's something like that, yeah. But is there a Kansas City, Kansas? uh, Yeah. Are there any other Kansas cities? Missouri. There's one in Alaska, I think. Really? That's Fairbanks. I don't know why uh, people would do that. There's probably a lot. There's probably one in every state. (laughs) (laughs) There's a Kansas City in every state. That could well be true. I I honestly have no opinion. That makes a lot of sense. I had to give, I went to Kansas City to visit Garmin they're like, you know, programmers there. Oh, that's right. You spoke. They yeah. have like 30,000 developers or something crazy. Yeah, a lot of developers that work on the Garmin. They I have, would never uh, have. You'd, if you asked world. me how many developers work for Garmin, yeah. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. How many was it actually? I don't know. It was like a few thousand though, right? I think a thousand. A th- still it's a not thousand. the work that, that came. Huh? Oh, okay. Okay. That makes more sense. So there's a thousand developers in Kansas City. I thought um, you were telling me there were a thousand developers at Garmin. That's just who came. So Brett in the chat room says it's called <laughs> Kansas City because that's where the Kansas River also apparently a thing, yeah. ends and flows into the Missouri River. Missouri. Which actually, his sentence makes it very clear to me that it could have just as easily been Kansas City, Missouri. I don't understand. Well, anyway, understand. because I did not overnight in Kansas City, I'm now referring to those as zombie visits. I did that in Monterey, Mexico as well, where yeah. you're leaving the city just as the sun is setting. You don't want to stay overnight because either the hotels are terrible or your insurance doesn't cover it or whatever. 
And so you got to get out of town on the last flight before it gets dark and you feel like you're in a zombie movie where at some point, like the plane is going to uh, break down, like right on the runway gonna and you have to you're run gonna out. You're going to be going down the runway and the zombies are chasing you. They're coming out of the, like the forest and then they get out the runway by the, the jet exhaust. Yeah. But then, but then There's suddenly one something on breaks. The wheel. One is hanging on the landing gear. That's right. But suddenly something breaks. You have to climb out really quickly. You have to stop. You have to abort to take off. You have to fix the thing while the zombies are chasing you. You get it yeah. fixed just at the chainsaw? last minute. Is ta- Taco has a chainsaw. Yeah. Well, he didn't come. So this is what I call a zombie visit whenever I don't overnight in a city. I feel like I'm focusing on the wrong thing, but I'm, yeah. I'm most interested in what kind of insurance you might have that would forbid you from staying overnight in Kansas City, you Missouri. Have, I guess you have been there. <laughs> you have, I, I, I don't. I don't. You have not, you have not seen it. First of I, all, the airport. Well, anyway. I have some additional bad news for you and your yeah. co-passengers on the plane. The virus is already inside you all. <laughs> <laughs> One of you is going to okay. choke on a peanut or be allergic to peanuts, die but on you the know plane, where I they was will going become a zombie. On that last minute frontier flight. I don't even know if they have mainline airlines to go to Kansas City anymore, but I was on my way to- <sighs> Mainline airlines, sponsored yeah. by the drug industry. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> on my way to Denver. That was supposed to be a tie-in. It was supposed to be a segue to our next topic. Can we do an ad or something? We just did a huge one for Garmin. GoDaddy.com. <laughs> Didn't you just hear us do a giant ad segment for Garmin? Garmin, where 10,000 developers write programs to connect to Google Maps so you can know where you're going. Garmin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for boats and we airplanes. Can't, we can't keep that. It's, anyway, boats, okay. it's boats and airplanes. Garmin makes boats? <laughs> boats? It makes GPSs for boats I feel like airplanes. I'd focus on someone who does that entirely, not someone who's focused on making maps that Google makes for free. I'm who totally else, confused. Who else can we get as a sponsor? Audible.com? Uh, <laughs> They, they will sponsor anything. <laughs> I just want to go to. I just want to cut to an ad so that I can kick these people around a little bit. Get the get the podcast back on track. When we come back <laughs> after our commercial Stay with break. Us. Okay. Uh, Should we? Uh, what the mobile? You really don't want to talk about mobile. We finished talking about mobile, Did then we, we went and talked about Kansas, now we can talk about Denver. So no, we should talk about <laughs> slightly more about mobile. So one thing, the iPad app's gotten wow. a great reception so far, a lot of downloads, a lot of excitement. Like we said, yeah. the phone apps, mobile and Android, we're seeing a lot more posts than we expected. Do we have more posts per capita on the phone apps or the mobile apps? Wait, what? Do, Do you, you like tablet versus Which are better, phone? bananas or fruits? Sorry, <laughs> tablets. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did I say? There so far, there's have... still a lot more installs on the phone than on... Tablet. Tablet, yes, because the tablet one just came out a week ago. But per install, are the tablet users typing more or like posting more and doing more activity? Don't or think we have that users? data yet. Wait, they are, we, totally we're unprepared. I don't think we have sliced it yet. Completely unprepared. Somebody in the chat room, maybe ch- chime in. Yes, someone will produce new Ninja data probably. But one thing we are looking at a little bit is we're trying to better understand what people are using the iPhone and Android, the phone, non-iPad apps for in that I think we're we're seeing decent activity, but one of the questions we have is sort of who is the core user? Is it people that are constantly posting who are checking in on mm-hmm. responses, on comments, voting, kind of following up on things? Like that's yeah. what that's what I had envisioned mostly is people yeah, who are users. in the bathroom and when to say, your comment is stupid. And furthermore- Well, remember the people that are just on Google trying to find out like, you know, whether vitamin D is gonna improve your eyesight or not the kind of people that are gonna be using the tablet. They're just gonna be on Google and then they're gonna right. go to their browser. Right. So yeah. I would argue that it's very hard. And one of the things we've talked about internally, people have often said, well, maybe we should try to get a lot of these people who are browsing to download the app. Mm-hmm. And it's a valid argument because there's so many of them, right? The yeah. number of people hitting for mobile on billions a search. Billions upon billions. Enormous. Yeah. But the problem is it's hard, at least from my perspective, to describe the use case where I am doing a search on my phone and I'm interested in installing an app to read something. Oh, yeah. That's sort of the mistake that all those sites make. Like I have the Yelp app. I have the Twitter app. I have the Foursquare app. 
But whenever we I get Google it, Joel, something, you have a lot of apps. You're very fancy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you have a very impressive phone. It sounds like it's we like know. what's his, what's the name of the guy from uh, the rich the rich the rich guy on Gilligan's Island? Robin Leach, Mr. Howell, oh, Mr. Howell, no, Mr. Peanut, Mr. Howell. Thurston Howell yeah, the third. Yes, I am Thurston yes, Howell the third. Yes, with all those apps. But nevertheless, if I am on my phone and I do a Google search for something like a restaurant and it happens to come up on a Yelp page that I then want to read, it's immediately asking me, "Okay, you have a choice now. You can either try to launch the Yelp app." which may or may not actually get you to the right page and is almost certainly going to take some time. And for all you know, the subway will move and you'll be out of connectivity by then. Or you can just keep reading. Right. Why would I not just keep reading? Would you like the information you asked for or to yeah. have a debate with the app store about the <laughs> yeah. amount of megabytes you're going to download over your exactly. cellular plan? Or um, No, if this is like, even when I have the app, I know that it's just going to be a headache. Half the time, it's not actually going to launch the it right It doesn't page. deep link right often. You get yeah, half the time it doesn't deep link. It's very maddening. And I might lose my connection by the time I get into the app. And I mean, I could just be reading. I could just scroll down. Right. So that's just a non-starter. Right. My absolutely legitimate, most petty use case that I had in my brain was yeah. there's a moment when someone has commented on your answer. Yeah. And what you're afraid of is someone will upvote their terrible, wrong-minded comment and before, before you, have you a get to, to write delete back. It. Actually, <laughs> as a moderator. <laughs> what you are not considering in your comment yes. is something that I believe in you do not. Yeah. And so anyway, I think that one of the things we are doing is we're taking a closer look at the people that are using the app a lot. Uh, so we're basically looking at two groups right now. We've been working with Kazra and his team around the most active users of the app. Who are they? What do they have in common? What, what is the Kazra. use case? It's serve oh, sorry. Kazra is our mobile lead developer who he and his team have been kicking butt getting these things out. The iPad app launched, I believe, exactly, exactly when they said it would. Is that true? Sure. We need a Plus new reason. Minus six to eight weeks. Yeah. But also they said after launch it's when they did this thing. yeah no no he, he picked that date three days yeah. after it was released and live <laughs> in the app store but i still think that is an unusual amount of discipline for us but anyway so we're looking at these most active users what they have in common one of the things i think we're trying to figure out is one thing we assumed was chat wasn't that important right because chat is this crazy power user case most people don't do it yeah one like question we have now which i don't think chat's the most important case still but as we try to dig into who is using the app what are their key use cases mm. we also assume the most likely users of the app are our most active hardcore members yeah yeah and so like for us as employees like who use a crazy amount of chat, right. one weird thing with the app is when you get chat notifications, the app experience a little hinky because it has to toss you into a browser because the chat API doesn't connect well with, it's complex. It's very um, hinky, And yes. it's not in there now. Is that the guy who killed, uh, who tried to assassinate? Uh, John Wilkes Hinky, you're thinking of. Ronald yes. Reagan. He, I think he threw a grenade at, no, I might be mixing up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can you joke about assassins? I don't know. Too soon. Too soon for the Reagan assassination <laughs> attempt. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's probably okay. But I think that there's a key assumption there, which I think we still have, which is we still think chat is one of the least important most, things. Most. Most. But we don't know. We're not 100% sure. No. Most important. What it goes back to, I think, is what we need to see is the people that are using chat the most, mm -hmm. what are they doing? What do they have in common? What is the use right. case it's really serving? What right. is the user type it's right. serving? And then the second question is, of the people we Moderators? expected to use it, how many are using it and aren't? So if we look at the people, like I think of the people that... If this becomes a moderator-only feature so the moderators can yeah. moderate as they walk around, this is a good enough reason to do it. Kazra's head's going to explode. We are in literally my, now picking the opinion. most obscure, least-used functions yeah, and what? saying we're going to optimize very, for them. This is very, like... Thing that, thing that Joel does yeah. now need, we need that to I, implement in the That's in the pretty app. much my philosophy. No, Plus, but, <laughs> but that's where I think that one of the best things to do is look at these people that take the most actions. <laughs> Let's actually to talk to out. some people who use the app. Yeah, that's like, what we're when doing. When you're Thurston third, you sometimes pay for a bespoke application on your iPhone that does exactly what you need. But just to be clear, he has to pay the professor and then it's made of like a coconut bikini of some <laughs> sort because they're that's on an right, island. Bamboo. 
and everything is made of coconuts. And then Gilligan wrecks it before the end of the episode, so they don't have to carry it over to the next episode. This is, we could do a whole podcast making lame jokes about how they never get rescued from that island, even though you thought they were going to, and it's very similar every episode. The point, again, good, on the app story, is, um, I think overall, we think the experience is pretty awesome. And one thing we've been struck by is a lot of people also don't know about it. We haven't done enough to promote it, and we're trying to do more of that. But the iPad experience, too, I think David talked a little about the side-by-side -side editing. I think the browsing experience in the iPad is really awesome. The presentation of the hot questions is neat. You can kind of just slide them across the screen, which is nice. I usually do that when looking at dogs I refuse to adopt on other apps, and I pick the ah. hottest dog, and I click him, and then if that dog barks at me, we make a match. Did you say oh. adapt? What adapt? Just, what just happened? Adapt? What do you, <laughs> you don't make dogs into slightly robotic dogs in your... Uh, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Okay. Afraid of where this conversation um, went. So anyway, it, what we like, it's Tinder, right? You're talking about Tinder for dogs. Tinder for dogs. Tinder, Tinder for dogs. It's a billion dollar idea, I tell you. Um, you know, it's a fun thing to do is watch the new hot popular television shows that are trying to be relevant and hip and up to date. Yeah, and listen to them. Did you just name, something as hip. Listen to them name apps that they are trying to create a fake app name that is yeah. supposed to be Grinder. Oh, it's, it's mm -hmm. everywhere. It's hilarious. Really? Yeah, they're all coming Don't up. But they for just it. do. They just say Grinder. No, they're all trying Blamer. to, they, they don't want to get sued by the grinder people or on a ground, they don't want to ground person, whatever the grinder people person. do. Yeah. Anyway, so mobile, the last thing we'll leave you with is you haven't tried the mobile app and you listen to this podcast, you should try it. And if you hate it, you should tell us why you hate it. And if you love it, you should tell us what you love it most for, because we love it, but we'd like more feedback. And I think we've gotten a lot of awesome feedback on specific features, specific things to improve, but almost what we're really interested in is if there's places where you feel like it's not helping you do as many things as you'd like it to, you're probably the people we want it to work even better for. So try it out. I think it's great. And if you have an iPad, you can get it even bigger. What else do we have? What are we talking about? Denver. Denver. GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy.com. In Denver? I think they're not in Denver. No, they're, I was just going to do an app. They're in Kansas City, Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, now that I know people don't like me saying it that way, I want no, to do nothing but say Kansas City, Missouri. What else <laughs> do we have to talk about, David? One of the things that you were working on, the, um, your, your team, the Be Nice policy on Meta. Yes, this was interesting for a lot of reasons. So we have an old be nice policy. Some of you may remember. It was. From way back in the early days, there was a be nice policy that we've had for really since I was on the network, which is near the beginning. And it basically said, be nice. Yeah. Civility is required at all times. Rudeness will not be tolerated. Treat yeah. others with the same respect you'd want them to treat you because we're all here to learn yeah. together. Even be if they're oppressing you right That's now. correct. Yeah. Be tolerant of others who may not know everything you know and bring your sense of humor. And then I, th I think this was an addition. I don't remember this in the beginning, although it's been there for a while. Is it, At one point, we basically, after a lot of debate about Qbert and cursing, we added, please note the use of expletives are not allowed, uh, which is kind of a weird tack on. But, um, <laughs> but that notion of be nice and sort of the framework around the kind of community we were building was there from the beginning. And I think one of the most interesting things with this experience, one of the things I'd start with is over the years, one of the things that's been a great asset for us is all the meta feedback we get. And so many of our best ideas come from meta. And then when we have ideas, some of them are not our best ideas. And when we bring them to meta, they get improved, we get feedback. Sometimes we learn we shouldn't do that. This is one of those examples where we made a bunch of changes that we thought would help and we brought them to meta and we think they did help. And what we got back was a lot of feedback that made it sort of 10 times better. And one of the things we were trying to do was... Wait, let me just interpret Jay please. speak for you. We wrote up a thing that we thought was pretty good and we posted it on Meta and then they tore it to shreds and told us why we were stupid and why this was the worst thing we'd ever written. Yeah. And mostly they were right. They were? They yeah, weren't quite because it was a thing that, that Jay had written mostly. I mean, that was the biggest <laughs> problem. Uh, um, I still think I'm being discriminated against for reasons I can't describe. I, I don't know what they would be. Should, but I'm, should we I don't think just you know always discrimination is. write everything twice, like the way we want it, and then write it like a fake way for them to tear up, and then 
when they tear that up, then we can go to the way that we wanted it in the first place. No, we should get feedback because didn't, it actually didn't you, helped. Didn't you just okay. do that in one of your emails to the team, David? No, that was an accident. We led with the new policy rather than be nice was go F yourself because we could not <laughs> give a damn what you think. And I think the community correctly uh. pointed out some tweaks, some improvement, but we made a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of, a lot of interesting mistakes. So the first one, just along the feedback path, one of the mistakes we made that people called out was they basically said, well, it's nice of you to pretend to want our input, but if you really didn't want it, you needn't bother going through this exercise. And the reason they said that was we made one big mistake, which was we updated the policy at the same time we put it up and asked people for feedback. And people quite reasonably said, it doesn't sound like you really want our feedback. It sounds like you're trying to make it look like you solicited it and you and your lawyers came up with something you wanted to do. And it was a good point, which is it's better to actually get feedback and in this case, make the right improvements the feedback gives you before you put it up there because we really wanted the feedback as evidence by the change we made, but it didn't come off that way. That was one big mistake. There were no lawyers involved. That, that sounds like a meta mistake. Uh, it's not really a mistake so much as like, because we could always could have changed the policy. And we did. Pretty and obvious. And we asked for feedback. We were going to change the yeah, policy. Yeah, but that's the point. And we, and so we, essentially, they were, they were just saying, well, I don't trust that you would ever change the policy, which flies in the face of everything that we've ever done in we terms have, of listening. Right, but there, we have a little bit of a pattern of throwing something out there and saying, give us your feedback. And then we forget yeah. to come back around and do anything the, about it. Right, the point is, if you change the digital, even if it's Such a digital hatred here. <laughs> If you change the sign over the door to read me. a new motto and then say, we want your input on the motto, people don't really believe you want their input. We should change yeah. the motto. What is the Stack Overflow motto? This is like when you call Verizon and they say, your input is important to us. <laughs> your feedback is important to us. If you'd like to we take our survey, please the, stay on the, the line thing, at the end of no, the call. The first thing Verizon always says, or anything, yeah, we please note the call. menu options have changed. And what I'm yeah. always going is, who From the what? hell is the person who calls so often <laughs> yeah. that their primary use case, the one thing yeah. they want to communicate is, I know you're used to the order of these numbers and you already have yours ready. It's different now. Well, what that is, that's just a form it, of narcissism where the person who's programming the phone programming system it's important assumes to them. that everybody yes. else in the world cares about it as much as they do. Because if they just have this deep fundamental narcissism, yes. so they start with, please note that the menu options have changed. But the other thing is when they're telling you, your call is important to us. If there is a <laughs> robot telling you their call is important to you, then that is proof. That the call is not important to them at all. What if the Thank robot you. was made just for you and he's recently learned to love? No, it doesn't matter. If the call was important to them, a human would have answered it. You know who started doing that? My bank. Okay, never mind. Okay. Uh, Kevin yeah. started answering phone calls? Yeah, Chase at some point decided, you know what? Let's just have a human answer the phone call when you call. That, but try calling Chase. It's that's surprising. probably only you. That's the if no. caller equals no. Joel Spools. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be great. But I heard that this was actually a new thing if where they were like, hey, we can have doing... like 3% more. <laughs> If we're going to start People doing ads for big, boring commercial banks, they're going to have to pay us. I'm just going to have yeah. to say this is a bad this. But so anyway, we tried to get a bunch of information in here that was a little bit more specific and tried to touch on some things to make some things clearer. And what we produced was a kind of long list of things. When we called it the New Stack Exchange Code of Conduct, and there were wow. one, two, three, Code. four, five. There were five items to the list. I'll just give you the headers. Yeah. It was the real life test. It was we're all in this together, so be welcoming and patient. Yep. It was focus on the post, not the person. Hmm. It was choose your words carefully, and it was okay. be civil. And that's um, four. Uh, one, two, three, I five. Said there were seven. Five. 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 Right the first two sounded the same, but they're four. not. One of the problems we had is that there was a fair amount of overlap within yeah. them, and the other problem is a lot of them, in and of themselves, the descriptions, the headers didn't mean much unless you read the rest. It's like the Ten Commandments, where there are different ways of counting them based on what religion you are. It is nothing like the Ten Commandments. I can't speak to the specific. Well, I guess it's like the Ten Commandments. No. We do uh, have do not covet your neighbor's possessions on there, though. We, we do. I'm There's, just in terms of the counting, not the numerology. I don't know biblical counting. There's, there's two different <laughs> ways of counting the Ten Commandments. Yes, based on Jews versus Christians really or something. Anyway, go on. The name of this podcast, 
Jews versus Christians. Everyone agrees there are 10. Or something. They just don't know they which They disagree which. on whether number one and number two. Yeah. Using different bases. Okay. One of the things that struck us after you wrote it is with things like this, one of the things you have to step back and ask yourself is, who is this for? It's easy to start writing these things and basically think you're writing the list of things that people aren't supposed to do. Yeah. And when you step back and ask, what is the point of this thing? The answers we landed on, what it should be for, were not what I was assuming. And I think... Mm -hmm. I think there's sort of three things you're trying to do. And the most important one that is, I think, the least obvious, you think you're basically trying to get these people. There's a bunch of people with like mustaches and they're rubbing their hands together. And there's a, probably someone on a railroad track nearby. And they're going to come in and they're like, we are here to murder people and tie them up and put them on railroad tracks and generally hurt puppies. And they're going to get this list and be like, oh, I am on the wrong site. Murder and puppy hurting is not allowed here. Mm -hmm. And so I should just leave. I should understand this is the wrong place for me. And you're not talking to those people, partly because very few of them exist, more than we'd like, but also because they don't read things like this or give a poop what they say. Right. The people coming in who might want to do bad things, this is not to educate them. And no. in fact, the most important thing it's for, which I think is not intuitive, and I, I overlooked when we were first working on this, it's actually to show it to the people who need it least. The most important thing a policy like this, I think, does is sell what community you believe you've made and you can sort of keep and honestly defend, but sort of uh, that, that you've built that they should love. You're trying to show the good people why they will like it here, that this is a place where these things aren't tolerated. And if you see them, you should report them. And if you feel like other people are not doing that, like there's ways to solve it. And that's not what you're going to see here. And I think the most important thing that these are supposed to do is convey it to the people who need it least. And that's important. I think that that reframes a little bit how you want to present it. The second thing you struggle with a little bit, I think, is general versus specific. And this is always hard. But I think the general philosophies are really to guide people who are basically decent and want to do the right thing in situations where they're not sure mm -hmm. um, what to do and give them... And a good example of this is a couple of the ideas that are in here that are new, but still very general, is assuming good intentions. So we sort of said, right. there's aspects of that in the old one, but we're kind of hitting it harder now, which is when someone comes in and basically doesn't bother to find the duplicate, what you should assume is if they've put any other effort into anything... They just don't know. They don't know how. They don't know they're supposed to do that. They don't. They couldn't find it. They searched. Search isn't. We're working on search. Yep. And so you should really default to assuming good intentions helps people in those unclear situations. And another one that really was new, which was being a little bit more appreciative of experienced users, so that when you come in here and you're asking questions and really recognizing that people are donating their time, and if you're demanding help of all these volunteers, remember they're here to give their time, and no one reacts well to that. And so you want to be sort of general in those cases. And then the only place you want to be specific is when you need to. And I'd say the need to, we ran into a couple of cases. So one is past consistent confusion. So we kind of always had guidelines, or we've had metaposts at least, that were very clear about no name calling. Mm -hmm. And one of the places we saw, essentially, what I consider misinterpretation of that is people knew you couldn't say, you're a lazy bastard. People don't really do that, or they get called out. Yeah. What people do instead is say, essentially, lazy posts like this one, referring to a specific person's post, or you know, the type of whiny poster who blanks in reference to a specific post. And so we called out places where essentially the interpreter, the general stuff was was uh, not working because those words, lazy, ignorant, whiny, you can apply them to the post. They always map back to a person. Got it. So this is an attempt to get off on a technicality of saying, no, it's his post that's lazy. He's probably a delightful person. Right. And you don't, you don't want to list every rule and every technicality. But yeah. what you want to do is go, the ones we've seen a million times are right. the places we tried to more explicitly call it detail and nowhere else. But the other place was where we essentially, we want a default action that's clear and no debate. And I'd characterize that as you have to be specific when you're trying to reduce the burden on our moderators, where you don't want people to argue with them. And that's where we basically say, if something is offensive 
in general to people, when in doubt, if there is an offensive comment, we're going to take it out, right? There's just no reason to have it there. And so that's where we got specific around the types of things that if they look like they are causing problems, if they're causing a distraction, we're just yeah. going to default to deleting them yeah. because there's no reason. So I think we learned a lot about sort of how to approach that stuff and where adding specificity was often creating problems. So as you increase the length of a list, the more people assume it to be comprehensive. Uh, one of the places in general, this was too long. And not just this discussion of it, but the actual post. Yeah. Shog says, don't put report this profile on everyone's profile. <laughs> we'll, we can talk about that, too. That didn't go well. That was another. This is really the What We've Done Wrong podcast. Um, <laughs> no, but this, um, the... It's what Jay's done wrong, which is my favorite kind I don't of really podcast. Like that. I don't really like that. But the other place when we basically said uh, the new section, we have a section called uh, Don't Be a Jerk, but it lists a few high-level things, and one of them is bigotry of any kind, and we were trying to really capture... But that's a... Uh, what? Bigotry? Did we have bigotry? Was we, there ever we, any question that bigotry might perhaps be allowed? Well, for a while we were pro bigotry, and there were some issues. <laughs> we ran into some <laughs> challenges. Not really. Um, no, but this is. But this goes back to Joel. There, there's sort of two, like, please don't burn crosses on anybody's yard. So, this, that's it's when, a part of the homeowners <laughs> association rules. It is a little bit like the word bigotry. Kind of. Yeah. It already is assuming that like. A hundred percent of all people are against it. But this goes back to, this is not to tell people, you might be surprised to learn, we do not support racism here. (laughs) That is not its goal. It has two totally different goals. So one goal is, if you are the kind of person who feels like every time you peruse the internet where every moron in the world is allowed to type, the first thing you will see is, I hate blank people, or show me your blank. Uh, Something that is horrible and offensive and and just awful. Um, What it's conveying (laughs) is we don't put up with it. And what's, what we're trying to convey is you won't see it here. And you really won't for any length of time. If it appears here, sure. it is cleaned instantly, yeah. basically. Yeah. And that is different. So we're trying to speak to them. And the second thing we're trying to do is when the moderators go in and say, you may remember that bigotry of any kind is not tolerated, it makes it easier when the person says, well, blah, 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 blah. You go, no, 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 you can just look here. Now be yeah. quiet. We were relatively upfront about the few things we will blast from space without discussion. Yeah. This is one of them. This sort of reminds me that one of the things that... I think might have been an early mistake of Stack Overflow or Stack Exchange, which you can't change anymore. But I've gotten Jeff Atwood to even admit that maybe we should have done it the other way, which is that if we had just made it to the comments disappear after 21 days, like he, he had always thought comments are for improving the question and the answer. So a, a comment might be, do you think you could explain dot, dot, dot more about what libraries you're using? And then you would then edit your post and then that comment right. would sort of disappear because right. it wouldn't be relevant that the comments were there to get us to a better state of questions and answers, but that they were not there for sort of secondary information. The fact that comments stick around forever means that people put information on them that we then have to preserve. So we can't do anything about this. But if people have known that a comment was like, it's going to be there for seven days and then it's going to disappear, then that would have made them a more ephemeral kind of thing where people would have felt an obligation then to get the information out of the comments and into the question and answers and everything else was just noise, which is the way we originally wanted it. But Okay, right. in the next universe, when we recreate Stack Overflow from scratch, we will get that right. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm less convinced on that one, but... Co- yeah, co- comments, so you're... There's different kinds of comments, but I, yeah. I mean, and I think we do, well, I don't know how much, how good of a job. We do an okay job of deleting comments like, oh, you should, you need to fix this typo, and then they fix the typo, and then the comment... And then somebody deletes and then it. And com- somebody deletes the sure. comment, but there's still... I, don't know, I think you just lose that information. Like the that that's no, like the example would have of like put the information in there in the beginning if they had known that the comment was only for seven days. Well, maybe. So what about the so, so the canonical example is like the comment that's like this: the solution no longer works. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. That you happens. Yeah, but you should be editing the uh, the answer or voting it down. Right. In theory, it'd be better if someone put an update. Well, this to the is answer. a problem. Editing the answer never really. That's something it that's never, never really. really it's never really worked because the, it, there's too much in sort of invested in that answer. Yeah. And we. 
you want to be careful about like just encouraging people to just go, oh yeah, if you you know think you have a better solution, just go edit the top answer and put your solution in there. That's true. Well, okay, so maybe there's a difference between comments on answers and comments on questions. Because comments on questions are often that, that is we talked about this and it never really went anywhere. First thing but that the really idea that me the comments is, on questions are yeah. should arguably be hidden by default because yeah. they yeah. rarely add anything and they get prime because there's just no other place to put them, but they get prime placement over the answer actually. So right. you can put your your comment And it's meant to be for a side conversation that you might be having with the person who asked the question. Like it's okay. Like they're only directed. A good comment on a question is really only meant for the person who's asking the question, not meant for the world at large to see. Usually, though, you want to be careful about making them like. When private. I say good comment, not to make it private, just to make it so that that person definitely yeah, sees the, it, and other people probably don't. Uh, and the, well, we already hide a lot of questions, uh, a lot of comments. But the interesting thing, though, is that once comments have this sort of ephemeral nature to them then you basically tell people, listen, you cannot guarantee that your comment will still be there tomorrow. It's basically like, you know, a best effort. It's a UDP packet. Sometimes we delete it. Right. And then you have no recourse. We just deleted it. We didn't spank you. We didn't tell you. We just made it disappear. Right. Now it's gone forever. Right. And the feedback system reflects that idea a little bit, which is to say it's, when comments disappear, it's not that noticeable. Right. Posts don't get bumped when they're moderated, all that stuff. But so anyway, the one we landed on, I think, is it does a much better job of telegraphing to the right people, sort of what we're going for. The last thing on this, it was interesting what types of things are super distracting in a policy like this and just get people caught up. One of the things is we had some stuff around cursing made everybody mad, made people want to curse. We basically took out all the cursing references and said, sort of, be behave yourself in a, in a way that is appropriate. Yeah. One of the things we wanted to make really clear was there's not a lot of sort of inappropriate sort of sexual conversation and things here. And the use of any word with sex in it really caught everyone's attention. Everyone wanted to scream and debate it and all kinds of stuff. And we just, again, took it back to sort of broad ways to describe sort of inappropriate language or attention it was a lot easier than being specific, the mm -hmm. general philosophy that was kind of easy for people to understand. The funniest one to me was one of the things we were trying to convey is how I think we all know anonymity is sort of the enemy of civil interaction, right? So when you're face to face, you behave well, the phone gets worse. Places like cars and the internet are where like, you will behave in a way that no one who knows you would recognize because yeah. you feel so anonymized. You feel safe to expose your inner monster. Yes. And we had originally the real life test, yeah. the first version we put out there. You shouldn't talk to anyone here in a way that you wouldn't talk to someone in person, including a boss or a new colleague. And we're trying to get to like, is imagine an environment where you need to build up people's... The number of people who wrote back, like, I tell my boss he's a f***ing idiot all the time, and I think it's perfectly appropriate... <sighs> And there was an angry outroar of basically people saying, the way I behave to other human beings in my workplace, I believe is completely unacceptable for your website. And I hope no one else would behave that way. Yeah. And it was helpful feedback. We were making some wrong assumptions. Yeah. So we, we switched that around. But anyway, it was a pretty cool example of where Outliers. we felt like we'd made it a lot better. And we'd also, the big other thing I think that someone mentioned lawyers, we lost the voice. A lot of the feedback we got was someone said, why'd you say this? Why'd you put it that way? And just calling it the code of conduct was bad. And people kept saying the lawyers made them. That's why they did this anyway. The lawyers told them. It's so weird. Can you imagine? We come to work every day and then a lawyer comes into our office saying, excuse me, gentlemen, I happen to have been thinking about such and such, and I would like to call your attention to so-and-so. I wish you could see the way Joel stands when he thinks he's being a lawyer. It's, it's, I think I, that's funny because I can barely get their attention our when lawyers. I need them. Yes. yes. <laughs> we, we, we are lucky. <laughs> and that was, that was the thing as we were trying to basically revise this sort of who we are and the kind of community you should be proud of. And people's reaction was their lawyers made them write this, which is a good sign we'd kind of made some mistakes. Or I should say I'd made a lot of mistakes. I was heavily involved in the first lousy version. Anyway, that was a pretty cool example of where without the community's feedback, we would have gotten it very wrong and it got a lot better. That's the new be nice policy. <sighs> okay, that's great. Next. That wasn't very nice, Joel. Oh, sorry. I like the be nice policy. 
Good, 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 good. And it leads to Stack Overflow being, check out the segue, a more safe place where anyone feels like they can participate, no matter what community they're from or whether they're the majority or the minority. Oh, you're talking about the programming world. how we've gotten rid of all the horrible, I don't know what you're talking about. Diversity stuff. You're talking about diversity stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Are we going to revisit that? We're going to talk about that in another podcast. Okay. We can talk about that in the next podcast. I think we've got two big ones lined yep. up for, we're going to have podcasts more regularly. Okay. What about David? You've got some other, we've got a couple of other features that are worth highlighting in the, in the six years since our last podcast. Yeah. It's been so long that we released snippets and we haven't done a podcast since then. So snippets. People probably saw the blog post that came out like what, three tell months me, ago. Tell me, what is what is snack snippets, David? Snacks, for our listeners? It's a delicious. Snacks. It's like Scooby Snacks, um, <laughs> but for programmers. It, it does sound like something uh, Alpo would make. Stack snippets is so it's a way to embed runnable code, JavaScript, HTML, CSS code snippets in your question or answer, basically. So it's a loving knockoff of JS Fiddle, basically that's integrated into our own site. Basically, a lot of people had already been using Fiddle. Basically, you drop some code in your post and say, you know why isn't this working? Or how do I do this? Or you put in an answer, here's how to do it. And you can actually click run and see the result. So we kind of rebuilt that in our system. So it would be actually fully integrated with our posts and that now a couple months ago. So we're up to several thousand posts using it. Pretty good numbers on that. Wow. Yeah. This is one of those things, I think it's easy at a glance to go, does it matter that much how embedded it is? And I think aside from just the general, like needing to make sure links stay up to date and all kinds of stuff, um, one thing I've said oh, yeah. from a very, I'm a, a very odd use case. I'm not a real programmer by any stretch. I like the, I like the way you're like, I'm not a real programmer. Well, I, 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 I am a programmer. I could show it's you not some, a real one. I could show you some work I did uh, <laughs> on a TRS-80 back in the day. And I think you'll be impressed by the different ways I can yeah. make J is cool scroll across the screen. <laughs> one is diagonal. One is in rows, depending on the comma or okay, semicolon okay, structure. Okay. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> That's like my best basic story too, dude. I felt really good about that. <laughs> wow. One. But I've I've run into a bunch of these posts where it says run the snippet, and I've seen in my lifetime here hundreds, probably thousands of posts that linked to JS Fiddle, and I never went. But when I see that snippet button in line, it's just different. That's the level I care about usually. Where yeah. I am is is looking at it there makes sense to oh, me. Oh, it's amazing. It's almost like not launching another app. Yes. When yes. You click the, on a URL. the changing websites is for me is like I'm going. Where will I land? Will it be yeah. a website I like? Will they be? Will they yeah. be like me? Will it open a new tab or the same right. tab? It's just all mental friction. Snippets, I will say too, is on our Twitter a little Twitter handle. If you don't follow at Stack Exchange for one daily tweet and some other random stuff, we sent out a question or two a day. We got a bunch of people there. This is easily the most popular thing. Stack snippets. I would say every other day there is a person basically writing. This is amazing. Who just kind of stumbled upon it? Didn't see the blog post. He's the first time. I would say it is the most universally beloved on Twitter feature we've rolled out since I've been here. Uh, not, that, not that that's the main way we get feedback, that's but our, I'm just That's struck. our me measure of success it is. on a new feature. How many tweets Jay gets on the it, company it, Twitter account? You could send them directly to me. That'd be, that'd be nice, too. I don't have to go check it on occasion. So Stack Snippets, anything else? What else have you done? Jay actually gets a printout every morning. His assistant prints out a summary of the Twitter activity, well, and my he writes responses on it with uh, a pen. You're, you're exact. My, my assistant has a team that handles that, obviously. <laughs> Did we ship anything like, I don't know, yesterday? Oh, both. Okay. Yes, we uh, open sourced our monitoring system. So we've been working on this for a long time now. I like the other spelling, the little long spelling. Boatswain? Yeah. Yeah, we went with the, the more phonetic Boson, B-O-S-U-N. Um, you can check it out sure. at boson.org. We'll link it from the show notes. But basically, um, it's Is a... Is it The Tempest? The, the, what's the uh, Shakespeare play? Everybody's Googling it. That is a Shakespeare play, if that's uh, the game we're playing. Just, <laughs> it starts with boson. Yeah, it does. Oh, the first really? word of the Tempest. Didn't even know that. Really? Yeah. That Everybody's looking up the first word of the Tempest. Huh. Boson. Well, that's where we got the name. Yeah. 
Um, from the first, we we looked up Shakespeare plays and we went through until we found one with an interesting first word. No, I mean this is the perfect Shakespeare play. This is the Shakespeare play that you would use if you wanted to build an alerting system. Because <laughs> like, it's the one where they end up in like they're like in Bermuda or something, and it's a tempest. There's an island There's with an a island. wizard on it. Yeah, and a and a nymph for something. Yeah, no, but I mean it's a shipwreck. It starts out with a shipwreck. It does start because, with a shipwreck, and they're screaming bosun because they're trying to the thunder and the lightning and the shipwreck. Oh, from okay, you. that makes uh, a lot of is, sense. This is completely a... so that's what bosun is for. Yeah. If you're in a shipwreck, a uh, metaphorical shipwreck, it, like your sights are down, bosun alerts you. I think, I think it's supposed you. to keep you from getting in the metaphorical shipwreck. Yeah, too late. For that. Okay, so what's bosun? So monitoring and alerting. So monitoring, we. Just blogged about this, but... Why did we need... Can't we just get some kind of monitoring, alerting thing off the shelf? Why did we have to make our own? There's lots of monitoring things out there, and none of them are that good. So some of them are very expensive, and some of them are mediocre. And we decided to make a free open source one that is not mediocre. That is amazing! So some of the things we wanted to fix... suits our exact needs very precisely. Well, it makes a lot of things easier. You know, we just modernized a lot of things. So, like, it's got a really nice... Simple API that you can just push data in from anywhere. And so that makes it really easy for us to both kind of aggregate CPU metrics from mm-hmm. machines and push data from the app. Like, you know, how many emails are we sending? And so every time um, we send an email, we call some little API function on this little. Yeah, you just shove a little thing. piece of data into this thing and it puts it in there and stores it. And then you can immediately start graphing it and create alerts based on it. And right. so the alerting thing is really where a lot of the work has gone into creating these alerts. It's got this whole crazy language that you could use to create really powerful alerts to do things like predict future, like where the metric is trending. So you can use that to figure out when you're going to run out of disk space or oh, that's or, cool. or whatever. So I guess the problem with normal alerting systems is that they alert you all the time and you start to ignore them. They're just like, yeah, but that's normal. That machine's always running kind of hot, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, and you have and to so we just ignore like, that alert. Well, yeah. So, so they alert you on the wrong things. Basically, by making it hard to create alerts, they mean you'd create all the wrong kinds of alerts. So either you can't create the kind of alert you want, which is you know across multiple different metrics or systems. The other thing is one of the coolest features of Boson, one of my favorite features is when you create an alert, you can see when it would have gone off. In the past. In the past. So you can look back at time and you can actually see a timeline of... This is like backtesting your investment Here's where it would have gone off, which is kind of a no-brainer once you've already got it. You you realize, how did did I ever live without this? But without that, because without that, basically you create an alert and... digital. I want a camera that does that. You hope the next time that something (laughs) breaks it... That would be useful, right? It's like... It's like you can, you can basically like if I had had this camera three weeks ago, I would have taken a picture of that That's time right. that it's the, the perfect, grandpa was playing it's the with perfect the, the selling mm-hmm. the selling proposition for anything. Yeah. Like if you had had this, yeah, your dog wouldn't have died. That's right. What? <laughs> Okay, so no, that's really useful because that allows you to customize an alert that you're just like you obviously want an alert that never would have gone off, but then you're thinking, oh wait a minute, this thing did happen. I want to, I want something that would have gone off last Tuesday when that thing happened that I didn't find out about right. until it was too late. And usually the problem isn't that you, but you, that it's would not, not that you create an alert that wouldn't have gone off. It's right, it's you create an alert that would have gone off when the thing broke and fifty other times, but you can't see right. that, right? So you're like, oh, this thing broke. We need an alert for that. So let's go create that alert, and then it starts yeah. going off every single night because there's something you weren't. Is this sort of bizarre? That sort of reminds me of this. And you didn't realize it. It's like a Gmail filter where you go into Gmail and you're like, I'm setting up a filter. And then it says, would you like to do this filter on all the things you've already received that match this filter? Yeah, it just does like a search and shows you what would have matched it, right? I mean, it's again, it's like, it's the the kind of thing that... It's it's obvious when you think about it. It's obvious once you've got it, but not obvious before. Because think about, otherwise, the process of debugging an alert is a process of creating it and then waiting six months for it to go wrong. And then you're debugging it. That's amazing. That is so amazing. I... Now, how can I figure out? I got to figure out how to write this 140 words so I can advertise it on Twitter. 
Yeah. So, so it's really, I mean, and, and put a nice web interface around it. You know, that we're, we're still working on that. So we should be clear. Boson is an alpha. <laughs> still, still working on it. <laughs> it's, still, it's still very much a work in progress. We're taking the wraps off early because, well, it's, it's working for us and it's solving problems for us. So why not get it out there and, and let people start playing with it? But, you know, the idea is to have a whole uh, kind of like an, an IDE in the, in the web browser where you can, you know, manage your alerts and, and your metrics and, like I said, see exactly what, what's going to happen or what would have happened. So boson.org, you can go there. There's a link to the GitHub where you can actually get the code. You can actually, on the getting started page on the Boson website, you can get a Docker image that actually, as soon as you set it up, starts collecting information basically on itself, yeah. your own Docker image. So you can set that up and start playing with it kind of right out of the box. It's super easy. Fun. Docker is everywhere now, huh? It's taking over the world. Yeah. Microsoft just announced they're going to do Docker for Windows. Pretty cool. Wait, what? Oh, because they're done with Sway. So they have time now. Microsoft Sway? Sway? Never mind. Don't they have Never their mind. band? Don't they have their own proprietary... Uh... Yeah, but this is the new Microsoft. Okay, now they they're just... changing everything. They get along with everybody. Yeah, they get along with uh, yeah. the open source community. I know, you can, and... now, you can now use Dropbox and Office. And they don't force you to, yeah, to use only their things. <laughs> is anyone you else can in... run Redis on Azure instead of having to run App Fabric, which is their weird Redis knockoff. I'm still envisioning the yeah. old Microsoft, which I assume to essentially be Balmer. He kind of looks like that. But now the right. new Microsoft, yeah. he's got a backpack, maybe, <laughs> like, like Wayfarer sunglasses, yeah. a cool painted hat on. Right. And he has a dog that drinks beer sitting next to him. And that is the wow. new Microsoft. Yeah, uh, I thought that was like. Lemonade, but okay. Look closely. I think it's Lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I like that. Is this, is this a reference to something? I don't know what we're talking about. <clears throat> Okay. I don't know. It's a so dog. Boson. So check it out. The easiest way to find it, if you can't remember, I'm sure that does, does Boson work on Google yet? We don't even know how to spell Boson, but try um, blog.serverfault.com. That's yep. where I've been going to find information about Boson because that's the Serverfault blog, our illustrious system administration community. Yeah. Oh, and we should give credit. So the two people who worked on that project so far have been Kyle Brandt, who's our director of site reliability, and Matt Gibson, Gibson. who's one of our developers. So check it out. Way to go, Matt Gibson. Okay. Boson. What else do we talk about? Zombie flights. Zombie, zombie cities. That's right. Something in there about the nasty comments that people were... Can we talk about world building? Sure. This is the weirdest site that we thought would never work that is doing amazingly well. World building dot... This is one of the community milestones, but I want to talk about world building because it's so crazy. World building. Go to worldbuilding.stackexchange.com. I haven't been there for a while. It's got all kinds of link baity World uh, building, titles. just as if you thought you were building yeah, a so, world. So this, yeah, the world building site, just to clarify what they mean by world building, this is not everyone, a bunch of people I mentioned this to you thought it was about Lego or something. Wow. You know what? This is going to do great on Google because I see a lot of these questions like, could a government control its people using frequencies? I mean, these are very, very common. So, but, but this, just to be clear, this is a site when this was in when this was in proposal. Like, what is the frequency, Kenneth? We we've learned that we are not good judges of what sites have active communities. What'll be split. Like literally, when I saw this site, my immediate reaction was, "This is a place. This basically appeals to a number of people, specifically George R. R. Martin and J. R. R. Tolkien. They can go and debate how annoying it is, is dead. to have two R's in their name until they realize one of them is dead, as David points out, and then they will be done on this site. There will be nothing else to do. Yeah, and we were completely wrong. I don't think those guys really participate in the yeah internet. to be clear well the, one of them's the, dead the it's description of the site that they came up with is world building is a question and answer site for writers slash artists using science geography and culture to construct imaginary worlds and settings well so the thing about epic novelists Which sounds game incredibly designers. narrow but actually becomes a place where you can ask all sorts of interesting questions like does the sun being blocked affect electricity how would an aquatic race develop computers 
Well, and it, it's almost like real world constraints applied to a theoretically unconstrained world, right? As you, as you get very sort of interesting, but they're not nonsense. There's like real sort of physics-based answers. Is Superman a peeping Tom or would x-ray vision be biologically reasonable? Wait, is Superman a peeping Tom is on there? Yeah. That's not technically, I mean, that you know, any canon yeah, that or... that doesn't feel, that doesn't, that feels more that like a sci-fi like question. How close to interstellar space travel could humans get in the near future? So this is basically the opposite of sci-fi. It's like the origin story of sci-fi. But right. I think that one thing that's interesting that's probably worth touching on briefly is one of the things you'll see more seemingly esoteric sites kind of coming into private beta. And one of the things we've shifted toward, there was a period, we still, the, the team, the community team does a lot of work looking at sites, assessing their quality. And a lot of it, I think, is really helpful in giving sites feedback often, like this appears to be a challenge you're running into, things like that. But there's a bunch of places we were trying to assess their likelihood of success. And one of the places we did it is in these proposals before they came out, we'd go, well, is this a topic that's going to work? And one of the things we've learned over time is it's really hard to know. There's so many variables about we don't always know what topics have a real community, how much overlap we have. And so we've shifted a lot of our focus now when sites are proposed is if they're getting enough people to commit, for the most part, if they're not offensive or gross, like if they don't make us sad, they're on a site we would be unhappy sponsoring, hmm. and they don't overlap. So overlap makes it more complex. We have to figure out, because when you take a site that's like a spinoff, you could be hurting a topic. We worry about that, like right. taking it out of a healthy place and putting it in a small place. But if it has neither of those problems, if it doesn't embarrass us and it doesn't have overlap of any sort or not meaningful overlap, our general approach now, if it gets enough committers, is to let them show us. And like world building is a great example of a site that I think none of us really understood or thought could be viable. And I will say they're past that period where some sites come out hot and then run out of steam. Like I'd say beer is a nice site, but they kind of ran out of questions to talk about. It's really, really right. slow after the first couple of weeks. Well, they had get a couple of drinks in them and then they just Yeah, you, you know how those beer drinkers, you should see the pot smoking site. Those guys yeah. just laying around talking about Cheetos now. They used to have very <laughs> in-depth uh, uh, horticultural questions. And pretty it, much. It broke Pretty down. much no question really made it to the third tens. But anyway, so... It never even hit seven, practically. We try not to do it. We basically now say, instead of yeah. us trying to guess, if it doesn't have those kind of fundamental problems we can measure, let's let them go and see what they show us. And I think this is a great example of where we weren't very good guessers. Like This is a site where that appears to have a real community that's kind of passionate and excited and asking some pretty cool stuff. And so uh, you'll see more of that. And uh, while we're on sites, give a quick rundown. I'll just mention them. I'm not going to get into any details. So world building is now in public beta. You can see it there. Moderators is in public beta. And I think we're looking at, that's uh, for, to be clear, it's not about moderators in the Stack Exchange Network uh, necessarily. That is about people who are engaged in moderation. And that site is actually redefining its scope. I don't want to, I'm not sure where we landed on the exact name, but the community basically asked us to kind of help them rename it to something more along the lines of sort of uh, online. Beer. Yes, beer. They want to be called beerdudesanddudettes.com. No, it's more like community building. So what they're describing as moderation is really sort of the... As opposed to world building. Yes, yes. It's very, very this, fine this is a sub, there. This is a sub This is the thing. This is exactly what people criticize Stack Exchange for. It's like, well, I had a question about world building, and they told me I should go on community building, but I really feel like this is more of a world than a community. Well, how big is it? It's, how many people? You know, but the whole world is, is a Is it round? Does it orbit the something? the world in his hands. Um... <laughs> So anyway, moderators is in public beta. There's a new startup site. They can't have community building. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the kibosh on that. Uh, Joel will not. Uh, we can call it moderacy. Moder moderacy, moderateness. We've got an Emacs site out, which is actually doing. This was another one that we had a fair amount of internal. Let's call it a spirited debate. And that was not about whether that site would be viable. We weren't too worried about that. The big concern there was that the Vim, the Vim users. No, well, that was the after. They were effect. not entitled to a site. Our question was whether Emacs would do better on Stack Overflow, where most of its questions currently are, though not all of them, or would do better as a separate site, but it appears to be thriving pretty well on its own. We did get a number of death threats from the Vim community shortly thereafter. 
We've got a history of science and math site that will be in public beta by the time anyone hears this, which again is a very niche topic. It sounded like it would be better on a history site or a math site or a science site and didn't seem like its own topic, but appears to have a fair number of people who are really passionate about talking about it. High activity. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We had to close down two sites, web design and home automation were both, we thought, good good topics in theory, but simply didn't have enough activity to sustain themselves on their own. And one other one worth mentioning is the salesforce.com site for Salesforce developers is now- Salesforce, the product of the company called Salesforce. Yes. People don't realize it's not for general. Is fully launched and is Salesforce beautiful. Is. You should go check it out. It is a lovely Oh, yeah. Site. Look, it's got all kinds of fonts and yep. colors, typesetting, design. I don't know if, David, you understand anything else about world building. World building. In a world building site. We have been we have been going for hours here. Let's 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 wrap it up, guys. That's your job. You, it is. You do the outro. All right. Well, you've gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Exchange Podcast 61, recorded Tuesday, November 11th, 2014 at Stack Exchange Headquarters. This podcast has been brought to you by Okra, a rich source of dietary fiber, minerals, and vitamins. Okra can be used in gumbo, soup, stews, or deep fried and dipped in blue cheese. Sauce. Mm, Just that eat it. Delicious. It's good for you. For Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton. Sorry, we didn't get to Matt Sherman. We'll get to you next time. Audio editor, David Greenlee, ghost producer, Abby Miller, and ex-producer, Alex, is fine-tuning the temperature of the heated toilet seats. I'm Joel Swalski. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bump it like Matt Damon. Come on. Bump it like Matt Damon. Bump it like Matt Damon. Bump it All right, everybody go back to work. You can't go back to work in the dark outside. That is so depressing. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't even know how to go to the gym. Somebody go ship something. Okay, I ship Harry and Zane. I've always been more of a <laughs> Liam and Zane type of girl myself. I'm pretty sure this is a One Direction reference. Larry. Larry for life. How excited would Joel be if One Direction wrote Bump It Like Matt Damon? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. There, it, it, the, the genre is really, I don't, it seems like a ridiculous suggestion. To what me. genre I, are you imagining? Yeah. Again, I feel like you have to see the dance to appreciate it. I, we could talk <laughs> ahead, all day. It. Let's see it. This is like dancing about architecture. Let's or see it. I'd like to show it to you, but I haven't stretched. Go ahead. I can wait.